10, 10 to, 10 to 20, 12 to 21. So now, O Israel, what does the, the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own well-being. Although heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord your God, the earth with all that is in it, yet the Lord sets his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you, their descendants after them, out of all the peoples as it is today. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise, he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. Thanks a lot, Jenna. I'm going to pray for Phil, but I'll let him decide which microphone he wants to use. Great. I'll pray for you as you put that on. Father, we're thirsty for you. We're thirsty for your living waters. And we know that they bring life. They bring life to us individually. They bring life to the city. I pray just, Father, as um, Phil speaks, you would pour into him as he pours out everything that you've shared with him. Would that word go deep within us? I pray that it would be a word that brings change and transformation to our lives as we um, work towards one glory to the next with you and in you and for you and through you. Bless Phil as he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jess. Jess got a job this week. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Congratulations, Jess. Um, just pray for Jess as she starts a new job. Father, I just pray you'd bless Jess as she's given out so much to us in the King Centre. I pray you'd really bless her in her work. And I pray that you'd give her creativity and boldness and inspiration, wisdom, and that you'd fill her with your spirit to anoint her for this new job this starting this Tuesday. Amen. Amen. Good. I think we might have got a PowerPoint at some point. Oh, yeah, it's looking positive. You can see the reading after we've had it. Thank you, Jonah, for reading the reading. Um, great. All right. Uh, there's a second reading. Tiff and I went to the cinema last night, saw the, the latest Spike Lee film, which is excellent. And um, uh, there's a, an advert at the cinema, um, uh, which is going to be now our second reading. Uh, George, I don't know whether... I don't think we've got video, but I think we might have audio. So you might be able to hear the audio for this advert, um, courtesy of American Express. It's pretty amazing out there. The world is full of more possibilities than there's ever been. And the more you live forward, the more you need someone standing behind you. American Express has had your back for over 160 years. Don't leave home without them. Being there for moments big and small. This is about doing, enabling, partnering, so that you can get the most out of every moment in life and in business. No matter whether it's your smallest need, or biggest ambition. Because the more you take on the world, the more you need someone who's got your back. So whatever you do, 
Wherever you go, don't take on the world without it. Don't fill up without it. Don't pay your vendors without it. Don't order a latte without it. Don't be your own boss without it. Powerful backing of American Express. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, we don't want to give American Express any more credit than, uh, that, than that. But there we go, the gospel of American Express. Don't leave home without it. It's about doing, enabling, partnering. It's getting the most out of every moment in life and work. We need someone who's got your back. Whatever you do, wherever you go, don't take on the world without it. Don't fill up without it. Don't order a latte without it. <laughs> don't be your own boss without it. Okay, it's kind of what Moses was saying to the Israelites. I mean, yeah. maybe, uh, and certainly if you, take, if you substitute the word it, meaning American Express, for the Holy Spirit, maybe, actually, that's a fantastic message. And that's kind of where we're going today. Uh, yes, anyway, there we go. It, Tiff said to me last night, she said, that's your sermon tomorrow, isn't it? I said, yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, l- last time I was here speaking... Um, uh, you remember, actually, do you know, by the way, the last time I was speaking, it was the week after Andy and Amwin left, and uh, this time I was speaking, it was the week before Giles, Giles speaks. So those of you who never listened on the table, if you know people who haven't been back since then, today's my last one, so you can come back next time, all right? <laughs> Just let people know, all right? Back to normal next week, all right? Um, last time I spoke, uh, Deborah, maybe the next couple of slides. Deborah, maybe the next couple of slides, that'd be great. Yeah, I talked about Yahweh. Do you remember? I talked about the presentness of God. Um, how about uh, the, the great I am, intrinsically identified with the present. And we looked at the burning bush, how the burning bush was a picture, really, of um, God's presentness, his I amness. It has no beginning and no end. Um, and how God has been outside of, of our conception of time. And then how Jesus made that I am more real and with greater definition. Um, how his death meant the end of death as we enter eternal life as God's children. So God's presentness liberates us from our past, takes care of and infuses our future so that our present may be transformed. Uh, and my main kind of if you like, word for that session was, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. And Moses' response uh, to that burning bush, to God in that burning bush, is, is our response also. Here I am. Here I am. All right, so what I want to do today is to continue that theme by offering some thoughts about how we live in the presence, as well as the presentness of God. This is part of a series looking at the Holy Spirit. So I know it's a bit unusual to look at the Holy Spirit and have my Bible text being coming from Exodus, but I think it kind of relates in. And where I want to go with this is how we relate to and partner with the Holy Spirit to uh, enact God's transforming presence within our world. The Holy Spirit is the agency by which we make manifest God's presence every day, everywhere. And Simon Ponsonby, a great writer, if you come across him, uh, wrote this, the Holy Spirit is God's imminent presence, filling the church to fill the world with his nature. All right? So that's where we're going with this. Um, I want to, first of all, just, uh, I want to look at three moments, if you like, three scenes from the Bible where God's presence is very, very real, um, but each very, very different as well. And then look at how those moments, how those scenes kind of infuse how we live our lives today in his presence, in the power of the Spirit. So the first of those scenes is uh, Eden. 
and uh, in Genesis. And we have this fantastic picture uh, here in Genesis of God walking upon the earth and speaking with Adam and Eve. Uh, It's a depiction of a creator God who interacts with his creation, who loves them, who speaks with them, is friends with them. And, And actually it says in Genesis, Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the evening breeze. What would that sound be like? I want to hear that sound. And he called to them. Now, of course, their sin caused them to to hide. But we have this sense there in that picture of God walking and talking with his creation. There's intimacy there, right? It's a great depiction of intimacy. God has been intimate, and, and there's also the presence of God being in his creation, not set apart from it, but being in. So the creator God being in his creation. All right. That's the first scene. The second scene is um, of Moses. Back to Moses again, and uh, God speaks to Moses in person at the burning bush, but also then repeatedly up the mountaintop and in the tent of meeting. And God's presence would be manifest as a cloud. You know, you've read those stories in in Exodus and also uh, Numbers and and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, And it says that the Lord and the word Yahweh again, uh, the I am, used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's an incredible picture of presence, isn't it? It's completely unique. Face to face. Now, it doesn't it can't be literally face-to-face because, of course, there's also that time a bit later on where Moses asked God um, he, to see his face, to see his glory, and God says, I, I cannot let you see my face. You can't. It's too much for you. Um, and his glory passed him by as he was hidden that, um, in the cleft in the rock. But there's that sense of God speaking uniquely with Moses. It's an incredible picture. I've just been reading. Uh, over the summer, I've read, um, again, uh, sort of Exodus. Uh, what, is it? what comes next? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, as a kind of a set of five, reading it as a, as a narrative, as a story. I can't recommend it enough. It's such a fantastic story. It's the story of the Jews, isn't it? And, and it's part of our story. It's just an amazing narrative. So I really encourage you to do that if you ever get the chance to, to just to sit down and sort of read that as a, as a whole story. Um, and, and it's just a way in which Moses and God have this completely unique relationship. It's not, by the way, I don't know if any of you, I saw it recently, uh, me and the, and the boy, actually we all sat down and watched that film called Exodus, God's Encounter. Anyone of you have seen that film? Have you seen that film? God is depicted as this little kind of, and Jack said, he's like Harry Potter, that little. He's depicted as this little kind of child with a very posh English accent. Um, in the it's quite an unusual story. I don't quite think that's how my image of God meeting with Moses is, but it's an interesting story, anyway, an interesting film. Um, but God made his presence very, very keenly felt amongst the Israelites and with Moses. And the cloud sort of lifted above the tabernacle whenever it was time for the Israelites to move on from where they were camping. And the, uh, there was fire in the cloud at night, right? Uh, and God led the Israelites from post to post through the desert. Yeah, you know those stories. Um, and the law was given and God's presence was with them in this incredible way. Uh, his, his presence is sort of depicted as both um, personal to Moses and also for the, the Israelites kind of both 
terrifying and almighty and powerful, glorious and wondrous, yeah? You've got these, these both sides, this intimacy of that um, talking with Moses and the kind of extraordinary power where, where the Israelites had to keep their distance, you know, only um, certain people, um, ultimately Moses and Aaron and then the Levitical priests and so forth. Um, but the Israelites did hear him speak. It says they heard him speak in Exodus 19, but they weren't permitted to draw near. So we have there the creator God present with his people. And no one's really encountered God's presence like Moses. It's, it's, it's a unique story, a unique narrative, really, in the, in the Old Testament. Um, uh, and there's, there's really nothing then like that until, in some ways until, until Jesus. And, and for me, the most moving part of the whole story, and I just, as I read it, I kind of found myself just uh, in tears, is when Moses, they, he gets them to the Jordan, yeah? And he knows that he, he can't enter the Jordan. God said, you can't enter, the, this is the end of the story for you. And he gets to the Jordan, and, and the Israelites are going to move over to the Promised Land with Joshua at their head. And, and Moses, at this point then, you get this in Deuteronomy, um, and uh, in, in, this, in the passage that we read, that Jonah read at the beginning there, um, Moses sort of is, is pouring out his heart to the Israelites. He knows he's not going with them. And he's sort of saying, go for it. Do this. You can do this. Walk in his ways. Follow him. Honor him and serve him. Um, and he knows he's not going to be there. It's kind of incredibly emotional, actually. I find this story. Uh, and he, he's, you just feel like almost like him saying, I hope you do it, man. I really hope you do this. And um, there's a sense that um, at this point, that though uh, the Israelites are now going to move into the promised land of Joshua at the lead, uh, this is the end of a quite incredible time with Moses and God. Uh, and, and it's the end of this kind of incredible story of how Moses and God duetted um, in the desert. What well, my next scene is, um, is Jesus. I want you all just to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and be quiet. Now, I want you just to start becoming aware of the person sitting next to you. Or if you haven't got someone sitting next to you, imagine someone sitting next to you. And just listen to their breathing. Get a real sense of their presence. Movement of their bodies. Maybe some snoring. I hope not. Not yet. That can come later. Right. Just get a sense of their actual physical presence. And you know, okay, you can open your eyes. Now that is how God was present. 2,000 years ago, that he was, Jesus was a man who could sit next to you. He had you know, hairs on his arms, probably. He had toenails, you know. I mean, that, he was a man physically present, this, and he had a height. You know, he, there's a sense, you know, how, how tall was he? I don't know. But, but, but there's this incredible presence of God in flesh, right next to you, as if it were. Breathing, eating local cuisine, <laughs> drinking water and wine. What a contrast to the God of the exiled Israelites. Or at least what a contrast to the way in which the people experience the presence of God, isn't it? It's so incredible that God is present as a human being. It's so incredible, so unlikely, actually, 
so ordinary that it was difficult for people to grasp that, that this was God's son. God in human form, in their midst. And of course, this fully fleshed man also did extraordinary things and revealed the heart of God, challenging lifestyles, challenging priorities, heart motivations of the culture within which he was situated. And he demonstrated the completeness of God, physical, emotional, and spiritual wholeness through acts of healing and in the choices he made. He was fully God and fully man. Uh, and yet, God's presence through Jesus as a human being walking the earth was incredibly short-lived. 33 years, with only the last three of those being the window through which he chose to reveal his fullness. And that's, that, you know, that's his design. Um, I don't think anyone would disagree with me that, that Jesus is not present with us now in the same way that he was 2,000 years ago. That was a unique and very short moment in time, even though I believe he Jesus is present. He's the great I am. Uh, and the, the I am of the Old Testament, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, is continued through the heavenly kingship of Jesus. But this is a completely unique moment in history, just like that unique time with Moses and God. Jesus, the life of Jesus, was a completely unique um, presence of God in, in, in history. So, okay, those are my three, my three kind of scenes. And so what about now? How do we, we experience and live in and practice the presence of God now, uh, not walking in the Garden of Eden, uh, without the pillow of cloud and fire, with only a knowledge of Jesus' time on earth as distinct from an actual personal experience of Jesus' physical presence. All right, so we have good news. Jesus' resurrection um, and ascension mark the new phase of God being present on earth in a way only hinted at in the New Testament. We now live in an age where God chooses to make his presence known throughout the earth through people like you and me. And he makes this possible by imparting to us a third dimension of himself, the Holy Spirit. And as Nikkei said last week, God gives us the Holy Spirit as an advocate, as the spirit of truth, as our helper. So we're now in a completely different position from the Israelites who are about to enter the land promised to them after decades of exile and many more years of slavery in Egypt. And Moses is not himself able to enter uh, and he gets them to Jordan and exhorts them to live a life worthy of being God's children. Um, and like I, I said, uh, I, you know, I feel that like Moses has this sense of trepidation. I hope this works for you. I really hope you get this. Good luck is kind of what I feel him saying. Uh, but Jesus doesn't say that. Uh, in John 14, it says, um, I think the next slide, yeah, I will not leave you orphaned. It's, it's a completely different scenario. The end of Jesus' life is, is not a kind of, well, there we go. I've done my bit. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I will not leave you orphaned. The end of Jesus' journey is not is not the end. Instead, he says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. In other words, you're going to be fine because God is going to be present with you now in a completely new, radical, and personal way. In a way that Jesus, the whole point of Jesus, that he prepared that way for us. Jesus' death and resurrection is not the end, but the beginning of something Incredible. Those 33 years, uh, you know, 
we don't cling on to those 33 years as, as that was it. It was the beginning. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it makes possible life, new life after him. Uh, he, Jesus even said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And later he says, I will, uh, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there's this fantastic continuity. The Holy Spirit points, to, and Nico said this last week, I think, the Holy Spirit points always to Jesus. He cannot but continue the work of Jesus. And because Jesus came not to abolish, but to fulfill the law, then the Holy Spirit guides us in exactly the same kinds of things that Moses said to the Israelites in that reading several centuries earlier. The reference is Jesus' life, the things he said and did, and how we continue his mission by doing the presence, by being the presence of God in this world. The Holy Spirit enables us to do this. We partner with him, like in the American Express. We partner with him to enrich, subvert, challenge, make good our culture and our world, to make broken things whole, right? That's what we do with the Holy Spirit. And so several days after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit comes as a gift to the disciples. Uh, instead of a column of cloud and fire, we have tongues of fire. But the, the thing is, the tongues of fire come on individuals. Every person encounters this presence. It's not this one image of the, of the pillar of cloud and fire that guides the Israelites, but now as a personal encounter of fire of the Holy Spirit. And of course, they spoke in tongues and prophesied and much more. Um, but the Holy Spirit... Okay, so it's a gift to the church, but those early church were converts. They were very, very new converts. And people were impacted by the words and deeds of disciples who saw a different way of life. And the Holy Spirit works with and through all those who receive him. I'm just aware that I'm using him for the Holy Spirit. Nico mentioned this last week, I think, as well. Or maybe I read it somewhere else. But I don't know, for me, um, there's, there's... the image of God is, is of male and female, right? And he made male and female in his image, it says in Genesis. And so the Holy Spirit for me is, is you know, I use he, but um, forgive me. It's a scriptural thing about there being uh, representative of male and female. So I mean, I, um, I want, I want to draw, do is just briefly draw upon those three images we started with of God's presence and consider some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit enables us to be um, the presence of God on earth. Uh, there's simply so many facets of the Holy Spirit, right, in the Bible. So many, and so many books have been written about, about the Holy Spirit. That, you know, and I'm looking forward to learning loads more over the coming weeks as we, as we look at the Holy Spirit over the coming weeks. So this is just a snapshot of some of the things that really spoke to me about these, as I think about God's presence on earth, um, what we can learn from that in terms of how we engage with the Holy Spirit. So the first one is, yeah, this one, um, uh, of Eden, of God the Creator, God walking in the garden, um, I want to say that the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to evangelize and convert, but the ho- primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to live in us, to its intimacy. Um, it's how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and us living life in the Spirit. He talks about that quite a lot in a number of the letters. So that means that the creative, holy and righteous God lives in us by the power of the Spirit. When we walk our lives out in the Spirit, that means that everything we do, our whole being is infused by this creative Spirit of God. God the Creator. Here's a little reference point I found, not just on Wikipedia, but Ambrose, the fourth. Who knows who Ambrose is? 
A fourth century Bishop of Milan. Now you know, take a note. You never know when that might come in useful. He said this, the Holy Spirit is not creature, but creator. The Holy Spirit is not creature, but creator. The Holy Spirit is creative. He's that reflection of God in us. So um, all that we do at work, um, at, at home, at school, when you're talking to people, family and friends, colleagues, leisure time, family time, Whatever we do, whoever we're with, that creative element is there in us by the power of the Spirit. Um, I want to pray for anointed creativity. I really believe that the Holy Spirit um, infuses our lives so that all that we do uh, is, can be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not about kind of don't get me wrong, with it, but it's, the Holy Spirit is, is much more than the gifts or kind of an encounter on a Sunday. The Holy Spirit infuses our lives so that when I'm at work and I'm going into a meeting, um, uh, I'm taking the Holy Spirit with me and that I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit for ideas and vision and creativity and kind of, I don't know, methods and stuff like that. Or if I'm... Um, I'm a musician, so if I'm going to do a concert, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit. I don't play Christian music as such, but all that I, of course I do. <laughs> I'm a Christian, and I play music, so I play Christian music. But, um, and I just pray the Holy Spirit infuses everything that I do as a player. Um, then I'm going, I'm writing emails. Okay, so sometimes people, when I say this sort of thing about work and stuff, people say, oh, yeah, but you're doing a creative thing, so that's fine. When I, I'm also an academic, so I write a lot of very boring emails. When I write emails, come Holy Spirit. Let that email be a creative email that somehow just inf- is infused with the Holy Spirit, that in some way someone reading that email is going to be built up or is going to be touched by the power of God through it. Or, and, and, and again, not necessarily with that aim, intention, but just that as I live and work, everything that I do, I want to pray that it would be creative, anointed creativity, Holy Spirit creativity, because God is a creator, right? So all that we do, I really want that to be infused. Wouldn't the world be transformed if we more fully enacted the presence of God in our lives in everything? So when we go, as it said in the advert, don't fill up your, no, what was it? Don't have a latte or whatever without it. Don't go to Starbucks without the Holy Spirit. Don't go to Starbucks at all because coffee's terrible. Uh, but, but just, you know, don't go to Cafe House 9 in Netheredge without the Holy Spirit. Right? Everything that we do, our whole beings. And when I use the word creative, I don't, honestly, I'm not just talking about the arts. I really am not. I'm really talking about everything that we do, the mundane things of our lives. The, uh, I mean, I, I genuinely, I mean dusting. I dust, by the way. I dust up the upstairs and Tiff dusts the downstairs. It's, it's a little story of our little insight into our lives now. All right, there we go. When you dust, just dust in the power of the Spirit. I think it would make you a better duster, but it would also... <laughs> Is that a word, duster? I'm a dust. Yes, it is a duster, but I'm not a duster. Yeah. Anyway, 
But actually, I'm, I would also perhaps be, I, I might be alert to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me as well. Now, I believe that God can speak to you through dusting, all right? All right. But in everything, in everything that we do, I really mean it. I don't think this is, I, I just don't think this is a kind of, um, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Just do it in everything. I, I, there's, no, there's nothing that it can be excluded from God's creativity and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Every element. All right, number two. Um, think about Moses in the desert. God was the, their guide, wasn't he? He, he, led, he led the Israelites through the desert. The Holy Spirit leads us. He will always lead us in truth when we surrender to him. And, and we seek his lead in our lives. When we need wisdom, go to the Holy Spirit. Invite him in to lead us. Uh, when you need understanding, it says that, I can't remember where it is now. Um, it says, he's your understanding. He's understanding. When you need understanding, ask him for understanding. When you're going through tough times, go to the Holy Spirit and ask for his help in getting through those tough times. I've, my experience is very much... Um, uh, this last year has been some tough times in our family, but we've just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so close in that time. The Holy Spirit can just uh, be so real in those times. But actually, don't, it's not just about the tough times. Nico said last week, don't try and get through life by being independent. He's our helper. Don't reserve that level of presence of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives, just for the tough times. That's when we get complacent. We are fully ourselves, fully children of God when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, this is not, there's not a takeover bid. The Holy Spirit's not a takeover bid. The Holy Spirit does not replace us, our spirits, our identity, who we are. The Holy Spirit joins with us and he completes us. We are more fully us, the, the individual. I can see you all here. We are so different in this room. We're such a mix of people, backgrounds and characters and everything, right? We are more fully the person that God has called each of us to be when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are more that person. It's not that we conform to some kind of, I don't know, charismatic Christian. Who wants to conform to an idea of a charismatic Christian? They look terrible on telly. So, you know, I want to be the person that God's called me to be in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? <coughs> it's not a takeover bid. So just allow him to guide you and direct you in everything that we do, in every part of our lives. Number three, um, mirroring Jesus. It kind of is obvious, but the, the only way we can hope to mirror the subversive, transformative kind, powerful, radical, loving, merciful, healing, compassionate nature of Jesus is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. So if you want to be more compassionate, ask him. If you want to see and do more healing, ask him. If you want to prophesy, ask him. If you want to be slower to anger, ask him. He gives us all of those gifts. He's the giver of gifts. Uh, what I want to say is that it's not easy. Um, all those depictions I had of the scenes in the Bible of the presence of God, people messed up despite the presence of God. Adam and Eve, the Israelites, 
they did a whole bunch of messing up. And yet the presence of God was with them in an incredible way. Incredible. Um, okay, I guess it was pretty hard being in the desert for several decades as well. But the presence of God, so it's not easy, right? People were literally in the presence of Jesus and all those, and still rejected him. All right? So it's not easy to, um, to always be alert to the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we fail to recognize him. Uh, and yet he is 24-7. I play a piece, you'll just see it up here on the... Uh, last time I spoke, I played a bit of John Cage's music. He's a composer I play quite a lot of, and it's quite noisy and weird. And uh, Tiff said afterwards that there were some really interesting faces when that was being played. Um, this is another piece by the same composer, John Cage. It's probably his most famous piece. It's called 4 Minutes 33 Seconds, and it consists of 4 Minutes 33 Seconds of Silence. You don't play anything. So I go, I get paid for this, but um, I go and I, I, I'm in a concert hall and I'll go and um, I'll lift up. This is going to get feedback, isn't it? Sorry. Um, I sit at my piano, nice grand piano, not this one. Um, and when the music starts, I put the lid over the keys. And uh, there's, there's three movements. Tasset is a musical word for rest, do nothing. And three movements, I do that, and then I lift the lid up, and it's over. All right. So it's four minutes, 33 seconds of silence. It's a great piece. <laughs> See, I've played it lots of times. <laughs> you could play it too this afternoon, <laughs> but no one will pay you for it. Uh, I've played it in, in, in someone's garden. I've played it you know, to people in galleries, and I've played it to a 1,000 people in London. And Every time, it's always great. I love doing it. The, the sense of silence is fantastic. Just the presence of silence. Because it's never silent. There's always sound. There's always sound. Anyway, why have I just... Because um, sound is always present. It's always around us. Um, you might choose to ignore it, but when you choose to play forward minutes 33 seconds, you then become much more aware of it. But it takes that effort sometimes um, to listen and the Holy Spirit is always available. He's 24-7. But sometimes it, it just takes us a bit of an effort to be aware of him, his presence in our lives. And we have to work on it. We have to practice it. I don't have to practice that piece much, but you do have to practice the Holy Spirit. You do have to. Uh, there's a sense that, you know, it, it, it does mean that when I go into my meeting, I, just take a moment. Say, just say, come Holy Spirit. When, you, when you're going to do some work, when you're going to meet somebody for coffee or when you're going to pick up your kids from school or what, whatever it is, just engage in the Holy Spirit. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Um, th- that piece is talked a lot about. Um, it's known by lots of people. It's a very famous piece of 20th century music, but it's rarely played. Um, don't be someone who knows lots about the Holy Spirit but doesn't encounter the Holy Spirit practice his presence go wherever you are every day 24 7 you know just there's never a bad time to say come holy spirit there's never a bad time to say come holy spirit so i want to finish by saying that if we restrict the holy spirit to a ministry session on a sunday if we stretch out our hands and say come holy spirit just on a sunday then we're not living life in the Spirit. That's not what life in the Spirit is all about. 
Life in the Spirit means life tomorrow morning in the Spirit. It means learning to walk with him, inviting him to transform us so that it's less of the rubbish stuff in our lives and more and more of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we are creatively transforming the world by doing all that we do, by being the people that we're called to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. The great I am, the Yahweh, is always present. He never sleeps. His Spirit is always with us. It's always available, always ministering, always giving, always strengthening. So our prayer is always, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Those three words, I think they're three great words. And they're great words to practice. It doesn't need, you don't need before your meeting to have a half-hour devotional to go and carry the Holy Spirit into that meeting. You, you just don't. But it's useful three words to say. If that's, if that's, that's my discipline, is, is just to say those three words. They're, they're good three words to say. Come Holy Spirit, or I want more of you, or just God. <laughs> Whatever it is, whatever works for you, whatever it is. But let's practice his presence, because his presence, he is the I am, the ever-present, always-present, 24-7 God. Um, so um, we're going to finish that. I, having just said what I just said, let's just say on a Sunday morning as well, and let's say, come Holy Spirit, because I, I, what I'd like to do is just allow us in silence just to receive the Holy Spirit and say, come would you transform our lives and, and point out places in our lives that we can really live and walk in, in your ways, Holy Spirit? So should we just stand? And if you find it useful to put out your hands and say, do that, then that's great. If that, that's not at all useful for you, don't do it. Um, but let's just have a, a few minutes in silence. So we... Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fill our lives and transform us. Come be our creativity. Be our guide. Be all that we need and all that we desire. Transform our lives that we might also bring your presence and your transforming power in the world around us. Come, Holy Spirit.